Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. TJ? Yes. Good to see you. Or yes. hear you. I guess I don't really yeah. see you in the yeah. podcast theater. I have I have important questions, Joe. Is it Mario or Mario? This is the important question of all. The most important. Oh, but, we'll, we'll get to that, though. We'll get to that. And it's not the year of Luigi. No, it's not. Although, much to my son's dismay, actually. Which is interesting. But he's a Luigi fan. Amber, my wife, is also a huge Luigi fan, so uh, shout out to all of you Luigi fans. We're going to have to talk about him another time. I don't understand, actually, why he's what, what, what makes people fans of Luigi, but it's fine. If you like Luigi, it's cool. I don't hate Luigi. It's just like the franchise is the Mario franchise. <laughs> well, as someone who has more in common with Luigi, he's taller. He, uh, he's not as uh, pudgy, and he, uh, he's still good looking. And he's the younger of the two brothers. And yeah, I mean, I relate more to Luigi than Mario. I mean, in general. I mean, you and I kind of are Mario and Luigi, right? I'm like, I'm I'm probably Mario's height and you're probably Luigi's height. When you jump, do you float, kind of float through the air and kick kick your feet a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I discovered that after I learned to fly from watching Peter Pan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so before we before we really talk about Mario, though, um, we got an announcement today from Apple that they're holding another digital event, which is what we expected, and it had been rumored to be on the 13th, and sure enough, it's on the 13th. Their invitation says, hi, Speed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm putting the comma in there where it goes, you know. Um, so obviously, we're expecting iPhones. I personally uh, think, because they've, they've said that they're going to announce, or that they've said they're going to have a new mm-hmm. um, Mac. Um, before the end of the year. And it doesn't make sense to announce it at any other time. Like if you're going to announce a new Mac with Apple Silicon, you would do that, I think, at an event because it's a big enough deal. They're going to want to talk about it. And you want to do it before the holiday season kicks in. So unless there's something gone wrong in their behind, like I would expect them also to announce a Mac. What do you think? I think that makes a lot of sense. And you would also go ahead and announce Big Sur or give us a date for when it'll be released. I'd like to know Big Sur will be released the day before the event, and they'll make that retroactively happen to impress us and freak everybody out on Twitter so that all the developers (laughs) feel backed up even worse than they did with iOS 14. I hope they don't release Big Sur. Big Big Sur? Big Sur? This is a debate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope they don't release Big Sur um, like the way they released iOS 14, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, the other thing is I'm not upgrading to Big Sur on any of my devices probably for at least six months. Like, I oh. I, I hope it's better than Catalina, but Catalina was a huge burn. Like, it was bad. And this is a much yeah. more major update. And I've there's definitely some issues, like that I've seen uh, visually that I, you know, I think Alan Dye is such a mixed bag with visual design and there are things that he does that have no purpose. And you go, why, why are you doing that? Um, Like, like when you, uh, so the, the path bar and finder, which is now on the bottom, looks like it's moving up to the top, which I prefer it on the top. Honestly, everything else puts the path on the top. But when you hover over the, one of the items in the path, before you hover, there's no folder icon. Like right now I'm looking at the finder and Catalina and there are folder icons. 
right. when but in in Big Sur there's no folder icons and when you hover over a path item it slides out and shows a folder. I ask you Joe, what purpose does that serve? It serves none. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it, just choose one, either show the folder or don't, but I don't need to see it and and I know there is a big like um, debate about it being a proxy icon. And I get it for people who use it as an icon. So proxy icon just means that represents when you drag it somewhere, it'll take the same action as if you drug the actual folder in the finder somewhere. I get that people use it. I've never really used that. I just use the path bar to navigate. So I, I just, I don't know. There are things like that scattered throughout Big Sur that I don't understand why the change was made or what it's doing. And I hope they get that straightened out. I don't think we'll get it straightened out before launch. So, uh, and and just additionally, like, I I'm ha- like I updated iOS 14 on day one. I'm happy to update my iPhone and iPad, but no big deal. As long as I can make and receive texts, uh, you know, and and make calls, I'm golden. With my computers, it's a much different story. They make me money. I've mentioned this before. So mm-hmm. Big Sur, at least six months, I, I would say. And and I I don't know what the Hackintosh scene is going to look like. My main computer is Hackintosh. I'm confident there are people already running it on Hackintoshes, and I'm confident it'll be fine. But my chosen bootloader, uh, Clover, I don't believe is supporting Big Sur yet, and so I'm probably going to have to switch to Open Core and uh, all this kind of nerdy stuff. I'm, I have always been a big fan of Mac OS, but as recently as Catalina and Mojave, I still encounter some bugs that I've, I'm very familiar with over the years. I remember this one was fixed in Catalina where I would begin to name a file in the Finder and then realize, uh, I don't remember what I want to call it, but it's open in this other tab or in this other window or on this other desktop. And I would quickly just use a keyboard command to hop over to the other application, see what it was and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I need to call it. Go back to the finder and finder is frozen because I had began to name something Mm. and then left it without telling it to stop trying Mm. to name the file. And that was around for several generations. And that's something that Finder used to be fine at. Because I don't do it all the time, but I used to do it. I, what I've noticed with Catalina still, um, and I'm running Catalina on all my devices because at some point you do have to update because you, you know your applications start requiring it and stuff. But, but what I've noticed with Catalina still is file operations often – will just hang and they'll take a minute and then they'll resume or whatever. I don't Mm -hmm. know what, like people have speculated it has to do with the security stuff behind the scenes. And I don't care. I do not care what the reason is. Apple needs to cut that garbage out. (laughs) It's just like Catalina is a mature, like it's over, it's over a year old now. It should be stable and it mostly is, but it's also like, why are these little nagging things still around? I don't understand. The nagging thing for me usually is iCloud, uh, iCloud drive when it's, processing and synchronizing uploading downloading whatever it's doing i get that little pie and it's loading the progress and you can see it fill in the pie and i'm waiting and i'm waiting I'm like what is it doing i don't remember doing anything on icloud lately so actually joe the bug unless you're experiencing something different the bug is the progress indicator the, the operation's done like if you go if you mm-hmm. close that window and come back it's actually done it's just that the progress indicator didn't get updated that makes um, sense. That that definitely happens to me a lot too. I don't use well. I say a lot. I don't use iCloud Drive that much. It's basically with you and a few other things. I so I have a shared stuff with you, and that's that's about it. Um, and and iCloud actually is a lot more stable than it used to be. And like I said, it's just the indicator. But anyway, the reason I wanted to mention mm-hmm. this event, Joe, is because of the iPhones, and we're rumored to get three sizes with four different models. Right. So we have the five point yes. four inch, which will be rumored to be called the iPhone Mini. 
the iPhone uh, 12, which is rumored to be 6.1 inches, the rumored iPhone uh, 12 Pro, which is again 6.1 inches, and then the mammoth-sized iPhone 12 Pro Max, rumored to be called, uh, 6.7 inches. And I... I was excited about the 5.4 inch option. It is that's roughly the size of my 6s, which that is the one thing about going back to the 6s that I have greatly enjoyed, like immensely enjoyed, is the size. I'm waffling though, Joe, because the uh, 5.4 is not rumored to have the same set of camera features, and mm-hmm. camera is important to me. Um, same here. I would, I would, I very much miss my my um, my seven my OnePlus 7T had a wide angle, a regular, and a, um, a 2X. I very much miss that those three options on my single, you know, one-size-fits-all success. Now, having a wide angle and a regular, which is what the 5.4 is rumored to have, would be a step up, but it's still not, I'm, I'd be missing the 2X. So I'm, I'm torn on that. I also am suspicious that the 5.4 inch is not going to have the battery life that I want, because I'm also, the thing that I miss the, I would say probably the most about my 7T, is that battery was indestructible. Like you could use it hard all day and probably be at 65 or 70% by, you know, if I started at eight o'clock in the morning by eight o'clock at night, I'd be at 65 or 70%. Nice. So I, and, and the 6S is, I, I know that the iPhone 12 will be better than the 6S, the, the mini would be better than the 6S, but I don't know how much more. So I'm waiting to hear about battery figures. And the 6.1 wouldn't be as big as the OnePlus 7T, which was just the, the thing that I hated about that phone was it's just so big. Um, so I'm waffling, Joe. Help me out. What, what, what do you think I should do? Well, I can tell you what I can do and what I would do. I would take the camera innards of the 12 Pro Max and stick them into the 12 Mini and make everybody happy. because You would solder them in yourself. Yes, because who <laughs> wants to have a lackluster camera set up like it's... 2010 or something i I remember hmm? i think oh i think ultimately that's what the problem is is apple is not giving us all the features they're considering the smaller phone to be a less featured phone and that's i would pay the same amount that i would pay for a bigger phone i just i'm tired of the big phones if it if it were me i would say apple you're making it just too too difficult for people who want the best of both worlds so there's maybe the majority of people, the majority of the time, want to have the largest phone. But I don't know too many of those people who are also saying, I want the best camera features. What I hear people more often saying is that they just want the biggest phone because of the screen real estate. They're, and it doesn't have anything to do with camera features. So I don't understand why the rest of the lineup gets the short shrift for camera features. So when it comes to the the mini, I feel like that is a very compelling size. I would even consider, uh, am interested in what would an iPhone be like if it was even a little bit more mini because a 5.4 is still not all that mini really. It's still bigger it's, than my wallet. Yeah, I mean, and it's bigger than the the 5S, which was bigger than the 4. Now the 4, you know, base, the iPhone retained its basic size and shape from the original iPhone to the iPhone 4S iPhone 5 was was taller, but it was same width. And then you went to the six class phones, and those are bigger still. Which I'm I'm actually I think 5.4 is the absolute right size for a phone as far as holding it. Yeah, I understand that the battery stuff is is frustrating. Like I get that. I don't blame Apple because like you only have so much room for the battery. I get that. The camera stuff, but again, I guess maybe they're trying to save space for the battery. Like I don't know. 
I'll probably wind up getting a 6.1. I'm waffling on that because I was excited about the 5.4. So we'll see. We'll be talking about it a whole lot more later, but one more comment I wanted to make now is that I would love it if they would use better names. I could understand the mini not being called mini or not even having a modifier because like we were saying, it's really not a mini. So call it the iPhone 12, call the 6.1 something like the iPhone 12R. Huh? Huh? The R? Why R? Bring bring that back? I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Well, there was oh, the, iPhone, the 10R. Yeah, the 10R. You gotcha. should bring the I never R back for what, the medium. Yeah. I never understood what the point of that naming scheme was, what the R was for. Revised? Random? I, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go with random. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking more about that. I'm sure um, if they're available for order, I'm sure I will order one next Tuesday, um, which we usually record on Mondays. So maybe we should wait and record on Tuesday next week too because we're recording on Tuesday this week as well. So – We'll talk Maybe about that Maybe a good idea. More. Yeah. I can, I yes. can squeeze it in. I, can I it. want to also mention before we get to Mario, um, some, some frustrations, little hiccups that I've had with my Apple Watch. Um, I, oh, let me just say I'm greatly enjoying it. Um, it is serving all the purposes I wanted it for. It's mm-hmm. great to have little notifications on my wrist. I can quickly glance and say, usually, because it's usually not important, I glance, oh, not important, and I continue what I was doing. Uh, when I'm out running, it's completely independent. It's on cellular. And I am listening to my podcasts in Pocket Casts or my audiobooks in Audible. Um, I do have music on the watch, which I've listened to a little, but mostly I've just been listening to audiobooks and uh, podcasts. What I found after about three days, um, I was on a bike ride when this started happening. When I would, uh, either I would be doing a motion that would activate the watch uh, or I would purposely activate it and see what my, you know, where I was at, how many miles I had gone or whatever. And when I would, when it would go, when I would rotate back over or, and the face would go to sleep, my audio would cut out. I had never done that before. So this was like three or four days in and I'd, I hadn't restarted the watch at all. And so the audio would cut out and then I would wake it up and tilt it back. And eventually the audio would stop cutting out. Uh, but sometimes it would do that after I t- woke it back up and, and let it go back to sleep once. Sometimes it took two or three times. Um, and it, all the whole time it kept playing. So I would miss whatever audio was was playing while it wasn't while I wasn't hearing it. So I something weird was going on there. It was still connected. Uh, it's Does just it make that, you feel uh, any better if you knew that you're not alone? Because <laughs> my Apple Watch is the Series 4, and I'm having similar issues. I went out to cut the grass, and I left the phone on the front porch. And while I'm cutting the grass, everything is fine. It's getting the signal from the watch to my AirPods. And then halfway through cutting, it synchronized with the phone i think again and it Mm. was over eager to check and see if i had any new notifications and when it found notifications coming from the phone it said ah and it interrupted what i was listening to we now give you the alert chime isn't that glorious yes and then when the chime was over my audio was interrupted and it didn't realize i was connected to the AirPods anymore. I'm not really sure what happened, but I had to pop them back into the case and then pop them back into my ears and then tell pocket casts on my watch again. Yes. Connect to the AirPods. And then I was back in business. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't had that one yet. I have not had any trouble connecting to my AirPods. Uh, I do have something similar, which I'll get to in a moment. So what I, what I found with my issue 
was um, a restart completely fixes it, like restarting the watch, which here we are. When What was the old thing we used to rem- – I remember when I became a Mac user and a couple of years in, I, you know, because I, Mac users always told me, you know, oh, you have to restart your computer. <laughs> har, har, har. That's so funny. You know, I don't have to do that with my Mac. And sure enough, when I switched to the Mac in 2003, I think it was, I stopped having to restart my computer all the time. It just wasn't a thing unless you installed some crazy software. But even then, software usually didn't require a restart either. It's become more of a thing now than it used to be. Um, But, like, I find all my Apple devices actually need restarted more often than they did back in those days. And whatever was going on with with the audio dropouts, restarting the watch fixed it. And so what I have been doing, and I kind of hate it, but, like, I just want the thing to work, is in the morning uh, when I wake up, my um, my sleep activity, um, my sleep cycle alarm goes off. I press stop. I let it sink to the phone for a minute, and then because um, usually I have to kind of wait, lay there and and uh, just, you know console myself that I must be awake now. <laughs> and so, um, so then I will I will turn off the watch, uh, and then I set it on the charger after it's turned off. I set it on the charger before I go take a shower, which wakes it up and charges it while I'm showering. Uh, so that's fine. It's it's a pattern that I've gotten into, but it's frustrating. I like mm. I don't want to have to restart my freaking watch. I just don't want that. Yeah, I don't think I have to restart my watch very often. Maybe twice a year. So hopefully you can keep that under control. <laughs> it's not a huge again. These are first world problems, but it's just like, come on, Apple. What what is happening here? So the other issue, more closely, more closely related to what you experienced, I think, and I wonder even if it's not nearly the same issue that you've experienced. Uh, well, maybe not because you said it had something to do with notifications. So let me let me just lay out what happened. So um, we went to my brother's um, birthday party, which is a couple hours away from where I live. And um, on the way back, um, my kids wanted to listen to something that I had on my phone. I wanted to keep listening to my audiobook, And so I had my, my ear pods. Actually, I had my Powerbeats Pro uh, in my ears. And so I said, well, what I'll do is I will play the audiobook from my watch because I have that all synced to my watch because I run and I you know, want it to be independent. So I've got that. That's cool. And I will play through – and both of these are going through Bluetooth. Uh, my, my car has a Bluetooth thing. And so my phone will play through the Bluetooth thing in the car. But what would happen is after about a minute, um, the uh, – the phone would stop playing through the car Bluetooth and play through my headphones. So I was all of a sudden listening to the thing the kids were wanting to listen to. And so I would, I would stop it and I would set it to, I would set the phone to play back through the car and I would turn my audio on my watch back on. Same thing happened after one or two minutes. And so I got smart and I said, okay, because you know, Apple's got this whole thing with the H1 chip where both devices are connected to my headphones and whichever one presses play wins, right? Theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it was so confused. So what I did is I swiped up on control center. I held down the Bluetooth thing. I had the Bluetooth menu pop up and I disconnected my headphones from my phone. That worked for about 45 minutes. But then all of a sudden, after 45 minutes, and this is more livable, I was able to do it again and it was fine. But after 45 minutes, the phone decided I should check and see if I can connect to TJ's Powerbeats Pro. Oh, I can. I should play audio through there. <laughs> so right. it would interrupt me on my watch to play what it was playing for the kids that it had previously been playing over the Bluetooth of my car. And so I would disconnect. And I had to da- do that dance about three times. Then I would have to disconnect it again. And it's just little stuff like that. It's like, did what is happening? <laughs> quality control. I, I used to laud Apple for their QA and their quality control. And I just... That sort of thing shouldn't happen. It reminds me of another issue, come to think of it, where I'll be listening to 
say, a podcast on my car stereo over Bluetooth, and I get a phone call coming in. And for a moment, while the phone is trying to decide which audio is going to win, either the sound of the incoming call ring or the iPod, podcast continuing to play, the, <laughs> the sound coming out of my stereo changes to that of like a call. And so it, it, it sounds like it's lost a lot of its yes. fidelity. Yes, but yes. it's still playing the podcast. So the podcast sounds a lot more like this while it's coming out of the ringtone interface or something. And it's, it, it, I don't know why it's doing that. So, so okay, I can explain a little bit of the technical. So what the, um, the AirPods and the various Bluetooth devices, they have two modes. They have your normal high-fidelity mode, and they have a lower-fidelity mode for calls. What I don't understand is why that is even a thing. Why don't they just have the one-fidelity mode and let the iPhone take care of whatever translation it needs to do to get it over the cell network? I don't get it. But so what's happening is when the phone rings, it's switching into the low-fidelity call mode, but it's still like it's doing the thing where it's trying to fade between, cross-fade between the two. I actually... Um, I don't like the crossfade. I never have. Uh, even when I was much bigger into the iPhone and was a huge fan of the iPhone, the crossfade of the audios, it's cool in theory, but it just, it takes time. And, and it's just like my Android, I actually much preferred the Android experience, which was, you know what? I'm going to pause the audio. Your audio is now paused. Now here's your ring. And it's much smoother, actually. Instead of trying to be all hip and cool and smooth, it actually just is. It's it's just, it does the thing that it's supposed to do. It's a tool and it did the thing. <laughs> I just prefer that. Um, before anybody emails me, like I get it, like I'm switching back to Apple for reasons, and those reasons are that overall Apple has the better experience, even with these little bugs that I'm complaining about. No watch on that I'm aware of on the Android ecosystem, certainly not the watch that I had, would even store audio to play, like for my audiobooks and podcasts. So, like I get it, I'm definitely living better now despite these little bugs and irritations. Yeah, for the most part, these things are really awesome. What stands out, though, is when it doesn't work. I remember my dad owns a janitorial company, and he has many employees. He's got many kinds of jobs, clients. He's got big places and small places. He's got commercial, and he's not done really any residential, but he's done some other kinds of companies. Anyway, well, you can show up and do your job all the time and be one of the best janitorial companies in town. But then something unusual does come up and something isn't right. And the job is not the greatest when your customers come in the next day into their workplace and find something out of place or a light left on that's not supposed to be left on. And all of a sudden, why can't the janitor get anything right is sort of the natural response from the customer. And, you know, it's like, oh, come on. No, that's not fair. You know, we've been working for you now for many years. We make you really happy, but we're human too. And we left a light on in the bathroom. Sorry, <laughs> you know, but it happens. And it, it does feel like in these days, Apple does a pretty awesome job. But it, when it does mess up, it really is aggravating because we're forking out a lot of money for their technology. I think and, that's the burn, right? Is we yeah. pay a lot for Apple to be good and it feels like they're not as good as they used to be, which is what ultimately led me to go try the waters in other places. I felt like I, I felt like my money wasn't going as far as it used to. <laughs> and <laughs> I still feel that, but like Apple's still on top uh, is what I've come to realize, even though I've had, uh, like I said, there's, there's certain things I really appreciate about the Android ecosystem, but Ah, the watch ain't it for sure. Anyway, we should move on, Joe. 
we have yes, we have a lot we have a really fun topic to talk about it's something we've we've talked about like since episode one we had the accidental mario podcast mm-hmm. um this is uh this is a podcast about the rest of this podcast is going to be about mario um so uh as we mentioned we want to discuss the pronunciation of, of mario i guess we won't beat this dead yes, horse too long this is important so folks to like me and my children pod- Certain podcasters we listen to, uh, <clears throat> John Syracuse, <clears throat> the filthy New Englander, uh, he <laughs> he pronounces it Mario. And I, that was a little, almost a little bit of a shock to me the first time I heard it. I was like, Mar- what is Mario? Like, I literally was almost like, what is that? It took me a second to register. Oh, he means Mario. <laughs> because I say, and I've always said, and everybody I've ever heard say it says Mario. How do you say it, Joe? I say Mario, but I got to hand it to John and others that have been persuaded by him. I got to say that it makes a lot of sense. It's pretty compelling because I, I reject I've it. known names with the Mar R sound in them, like Darnell, my last name, the R is in there. And Darnell doesn't sound very good, but Mario has a good ring to it. And it reminds no, it me of the name Mary. We don't say Mari. So given how the grammar works, it kind of checks out. It makes sense that it I would say. be Mario. <laughs> what do you mean I don't say Mar- Mari? Maybe I, maybe I do. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> so what I do uh, what I do slip into is saying Mario every now and then, and I just confuse everybody. I, you know, all, my whole, all my children, my siblings are shaking their heads. What, what, what was that? What was that? What, what just happened? They think that I have a speech impediment or I had a stroke. So... I, okay, Joe. I can assure you that Mario sounds better than not. It's just not saying it's it not at all, g- you mean? <laughs> it's, but it, yeah, clearly it's not going to take the world over. Not very fast <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think the correct pronunciation is Mario, but that's unimportant. Mario. What, 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 what is important, Joe, is that you and I, I, I I'd actually like to kind of get your experience. Um, I, my experience is I saved up money, my parents contributed, and then we bought an NES the year it came out, 1985. An NES? You're not talking about SNES? No, I'm, I'm older than you, Joe. We've established this before. I don't remember if it was on this podcast or not. But, but you were still wearing uh, diapers in 85, right? Huh. No, I was born in 1982. Oh, oh. wait. So maybe it wasn't. You know what? I'm, I'm I'm confused. It came out in 85. We got it in 87 because I know I was five years old. Um, okay. And so yeah. so we got it in 87. So it had been out for a couple of years. Um, it, it, it was a long time ago, Joe. But I know that oh, I was yeah. five. I know I was excited about it. And um, there's still something super nostalgic. So like the games that, that we had – were Mario Brothers, which which came with Duck Hunt, like it was on the same cartridge, right? Duck Hunt, you remember this? Oh yeah. I don't know if you, yeah. And then the other game that we had, which is so random, was Bionic Commando. Oh no, well, yeah, it was Bionic Commando, or the the um the the GI Joe kind of guy. I don't remember much about the game, but he had this bionic arm and he would swing from stuff. And I actually played a lot of that game, even though I'm really not into army stuff. So, but it was a fun game, the dynamics of it and stuff. It does uh, look what, what is your what what is your entry point into Mario? It was probably 1990, and my parents got the NES, and it, I didn't know about it until it was home. And my older brother was really excited. He seemed to understand who Mario was, and then Mario. we started watching the game unfold on the TV. Yes, and uh, it freaked me out that he could die, and he could die like by falling <laughs> into a bottomless pit. And I thought that that was a horrible idea. And I hated mushrooms. So the Goomba, you know, got to remember, I was like all of five years old. 
I was freaked out by Goomba monsters and Koopa monsters and fire snakes. And it, it kind of weirded me out, to be honest. And the noise of the video game, the 8-bit sound, was jarring enough that if my brother turned up the TV enough that he really enjoyed the music and the sound effects, at first, it grated on my nerves. I'm not kidding about any of this. I would hide behind the furniture if Mario was about to die. <laughs> and I got over that pretty quick. Uh, by the time we got Mario Brothers 3, I was smoothly sailing. I was playing those games and I would help Mario lose so many lives. And it was great. I remember playing just that game so much. and But I... <laughs> I liked Duck Hunt more than I liked Mario Brothers at first. I really did. That gun so, was so awesome. Before you move too far past it, the, speaking of Mario dying, and I'm looking, I may not be able to get in the show notes because I can't find it, but did you ever see the video um, that was sort of this reality video, uh, but it was all the Marios that would 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 die and fall down the hole and they were down in this like <laughs> pit and like... Yes. Yeah. I forgot about it. That's such a good one. <laughs> Yeah, I can't find it. If you find it, send it over to me. I want to get it in the show notes. Um, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, but it, it's stuff like that cracks me up. So anyway, yeah. So so I think that Mario can kind of be split into several different eras. So you have the NES era, uh, and you have Super Mario Brothers, uh, which came out in 1985. I think that's right. Uh, then they – so they did something interesting, Joe. They released uh, – well, well, first of all, Super Mario Brothers, great game, at least for the time – and I even still play it. I, I do prefer the All-Stars version with the updated graphics, but sometimes even for nostalgic purposes, the original mm-hmm. is fun to play. Yeah, um, but then so um, they released in Japan uh, Super Mario Brothers 2, which is not the Super Mario Brothers 2 that you and I know. It was basically the same sprites and the same look and feel, the same music as Super Mario Brothers. It was just cranked up to 11 in terms of difficulty. And that did not yeah. play well here in the States. People didn't like it. Uh, and the the head of Nintendo America said, we can't do this. And so they had this game called Doki Doki Panic. Um, and so for what reasons that are unknown, they thought, well, this would make a good Mario game. I don't know who thought this, but because because it plays very differently from Mario. But it turned out, at least to me, to be a stroke of genius. And it, it gave us things that are still in the Mario games. And so um, they basically replaced the sprites of Doki Doki Panic of the characters with new sprites for Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Peach, uh, at the time called Princess Toadstool. And it is still to this day, I wouldn't say it's my favorite Mario game, but it is one of my favorites. It is such a good game. Oh, wow. It is. I I love it. Like, it's still a platformer, but, like, it has so much more vertical ascent and descent, and it it has very different mechanics. That Mm -hmm. Some of those mechanics made it to later Mario games, but a lot of the mechanics were unique to that game and the way you interacted with characters and picked things up and threw them. I so I never owned the game myself until recently, which or until you know we got all stars with the Wii, the original Wii, I think. Um, but but um, my friend had it, and so we I played it all the time, and we loved that game. I loved that game very much, and I love the soundtrack. Like it is a it's a very unique it soundtrack is. to the series, mm-hmm. and I just I love it. Um, and it, it and like I said, it introduced so much stuff to the series that that stays with the series even now. It's really fun because it is that game that belonged to 
a completely different idea. It was other characters, other music. It wasn't made with Mario in mind. And it shook so many things up that I think the creative designers working on Mario Brothers 3, while they didn't actually incorporate a lot of the same ideas, they learned that they could introduce lots of new ideas to the Mario franchise and they could experiment. They could introduce new kinds of abilities for Mario with things like the feathers. They didn't have to keep around the old ones to make everybody happy. And then there's elements like that you get, I don't know if they were hearts, but they were like three hits and you're knocked out rather than just like being hit and you're shrunk. You could get three hits and you were the second time you were hit, when you were down to your last available strikeout, then you shrunk. And the ideas like that are reminiscent of ways that Mario has a health meter in Mario 64, which was, you know, not too far down the road. So yeah, I love the idea that they were able to change so many things. Like we've seen the return of cherries in things like Super Mario uh, 3D World and yes. giving them a new ability. And, and that was originally from Super Mario Brothers 2. Yes, yeah, so many of the elements were so foundational because we obviously we think of Super Mario Brothers the original as foundational. And certainly many of the iconic elements, the mushrooms, the star the superstars, the you know, the even the flagpole that that made a comeback in um in more modern Marios. Like um all these foundational uh, goombas, you know, uh, Koopa Troopas, like uh, all these things bullet bills, like the very foundational, but when you think about it, all the items that you just mentioned are strictly from Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, the the cherry and and things like that and oh the pow block yeah the pow block is from Super Mario too yeah. um you have certain enemies uh, shy guys and the uh, the star looking creatures I don't remember various things like that that were from Super Mario Brothers two and so you go into Super Mario Brothers three and I think many of the abilities that we we had in Super Mario Brothers three were directly related to Super Mario Brothers two the mechanics were different but Super Mario three had the ability to pick up items I don't know that we would have had that if it hadn't been for Doki Doki Panic. Um, maybe we would have, I don't know, but like it, the influence was clear. And even though I would say Super Mario Brothers 3 is the better game than, than 2, because obviously it's newer and, and it's the, they, Super Mario Brothers 3 really pushed the NES to the limit. Like it was the max of what they could do with the Nintendo Entertainment System. And it was a really good game. Uh, so Super Mario 2, though, is so, so good. I, I still, sometimes I'll just sit down and play it because it's just so fun. So Super Mario Brothers 3, Joe, is, um, again, what did this come out? Uh, let, me, let me click the link here in our show notes, uh, and I will tell you what year it came out. There was um, a lot of hype for Mario Brothers 3, I remember that. It was so much hype. So it was released in 19, um, 80, 1989 in the arcade. Where's the U.S. release? U.S.A. I forget that these games were often in the arcades before they came to the console. Yeah, so it was I don't 19- think I ever saw Mario Brother games in arcades. I saw the one, the Donkey Kong games, and Donkey the Kong. one with Mario and yeah. Luigi fighting crabs yes. in the yeah, pipes. Yeah, so Mario, that, that one's just called Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. not Super Mario Brothers, just Mario Brothers. So, so Super Mario Brothers three was released in 1990, and um, it was a game I remember very clearly. Um, I was saving up my money. My parents contributed once again. And so I walked, I remember walking into Walmart. I went, walked up to the case and I, I pointed it out to the, to the salesperson on the floor, who, whatever they call those people in Walmart that were, that would get it out of the case. They would unlock the case, handed it to me. I was so proud. I went up and I paid for it and I played the crap out of that game. It was such <laughs> a good game. And, and it again introduced elements that are even still with Mario today. You've got the map and you've got, um, 
warp whistles and and well i guess that came from super mario 2 is the ability to warp but like done in a different way and and just the way you defeated bowser in super mario 3 spoilers for a 30 something year old game or more than that i guess 40 i don't know I guess it's <laughs> yeah i guess it's 40 years old um and so the way you defeat bowser instead of Instead of hitting a you know thing on a drawbridge, this time you let him smash his way like he's so stupid. He smashes his way down like, and if you stand in the same <laughs> spot every time and then get out of the way at the right minute, like it was all the mechanics again. And, oh, and I love the tail. Like the first time Mario could actually fly was in Super Mario Brothers three, and you had the whole. So you had the tail and the, the ears, but then if you if you got into the right places, you could get the whole Tanuki suit and you could turn into stone. Like all these little the like, hidden things all over the place and. And oh, it was just, it was a wonderful game. One of the great examples of creativity in gaming in general, and one of the shining moments for Mario's world building was introducing the Koopa Kids, having different bosses yes. that had different fighting styles in every world. Then sometimes you would just play the game, not because you were interested in saving the princess, but because you wanted to go back to the sixth world and go through the ice stages because that was a real yes. challenge for you and you wanted to beat his castle those were fun times because of all the variety within a single game and th- thematically it, it felt like by this point nintendo didn't understand it quite they didn't understand quite yet how to take advantage of this but mario was akin to their mickey mouse and luigi goofy uh, i don't know but they were able to take advantage of all these ways that Mario was the face of the company. They didn't have a Walt Disney. So the closest analog to Walt Disney would be someone like Shigeru Miyamoto, who was the creative director behind those early games. And he had the idea of progressively introducing things that Mario could do in pretty obvious ways on a level-by-level basis, introducing a a highly reduced, simplified way to face a new challenge like uh, longer jumps, forcing you to have to run to do the jump. And then, okay, that was easy. The first time you take advantage of running and then jumping. But then as it goes later on in the original Super Mario Brothers, you have these really tough jumps and you got to jump the jump or you're going to fall into a hole. Oh man, some of those jumps in World 8 (laughs) and Super Mario Brothers, whoo, and you're jumping on these little teenie platforms. It's... (laughs) Yes. The stuff of nightmares. Yes, for sure. For sure. But great gaming and they consistently used that methodology in any Mario Brothers game moving forward through, I, I guess, all the way up to the present. And that was one of Miyamoto's ideas. Yeah, well, I mean, look at the advancement of Super Mario Brothers 3 through the various worlds. Um, you know, they, they definitely get harder as you go from world to world um, until you get to world eight. And, you know, you're in the, all the lava pits and you're you're just you're navigating the map. And these hands will reach up and grab you and pull you in. You know, um, it's just uh, yeah, that's definitely the way Mario always progresses. Um, one of the one of the elements that I just shows the creativity like this is. I would say on par with Super Mario World being the peak. I, I think Super Mario 3 and Super Mario World was kind of peak, like golden age Mario. But but one of the creative elements that, that was in Super Mario 3 that I think is just, man, just amazing. It was like, and, and it's something I didn't even learn until a few years in. Like you could squat down in certain places on these panels and fall behind the elements of the game. 
and 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 get into secret areas by doing that. I I think it's uh, I think the first example of that is world or is a map one world or or uh, level four three or four and if you squat down on the panel. That's several panels in before you get to the end, and it's a white panel, and you squat down on the left side for about five or six seconds. You'll fall in behind the elements, and you run, and you get to a secret area. It's really fun. There's a lot of genius ideas. You already mentioned the music in general, but this is when there's so many iconic themes, but they introduced even better iconic themes with each new installment. So Super Mario Brothers 3 has classic music. I can hear it playing in my head right now. It's already stuck. Oh, it's sure. So I, can, I can hear the overworld or the, the map music. Like it just sticks with you. Um, man, we got we to move on though, Joe. So mm-hmm. did you ever have a Game Boy? Yes, I did. I had a cousin and he was much older than me. And I wanted, what was it I wanted? I wanted his slingshot and I wanted his Game Boy. And so somehow I got the money and I bought his Game Boy and uh, I got a slingshot in exchange. I gave him my hamster. I think I got a good deal. So obviously Nintendo's breakout device was their NES. Just, you know, just like it changed the world. If I, I, I don't think that's saying too much to say that it, it changed the world. But their second device in just as many ways changed gaming, which was the Game Boy. I had one. I don't remember when I got it. Um, I did not have Super Mario Land, but so I got it later because the game that mine came with was Super Mario Land 2. Um, but um, Super Mario Land was one of the big breakthrough, you know, the first game for the Game Boy, really. And uh, I had a friend who had a Game Boy, and so I played that a lot. And it was a very, like, I think they were very limited by the small, like, device. Like, it's not like technology wasn't as miniaturized as it is now. You know, your iPhones are so powerful now, but but like the Game Boy was very limited in what it could do. And so the gameplay of Super Mario Land, it was a fun game once you got into it, but it was like so different. Uh, and you would fire a fireball and it would kind of float up and it would hit the ground once and float up. And it like all the dynamics were so different. And it kind of turned me off at first, but you know, it was a fine game once you got into it. Did you, did you play Super Mario Land? Yes, I had that one and I felt the same way. I liked that they had insects and they were trying to yes. give it its own feel. So it wasn't like they had ported Super Mario Brothers to the Game Boy. So I, I did appreciate that they gave you a submarine and the water levels. They had different music. They It also felt like they didn't make too few levels. Like It wasn't as extensive as Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3 on the NES, but you still had a plenty of gameplay. My batteries would die before I would get through the entire game. <laughs> oh, yeah. It had like, what, 45 minutes of battery at the most? <laughs> it was yeah. Something else. So I usually would stay, I would stay close to a plug. Like I, and, and, and our parents are a little bit, my parents are a little bit strict with, with the, you know, it wasn't like I was allowed to play it at all times. There were certain, t- certain times when I was allowed to play games. And if we were on a trip, I might could play it on the trip, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, I, but I never like it. Ultimately, it was an enjoyable game, but it was mostly forgettable. Like it's not a game that I ever think about going back to Super Mario Land. No, um, I think that you had to have been there when the the system was popular and the game was relevant. Because I, even if I still had my old Game Boy around now, I might show it to my son just to say for a minute and say, hey, look what I used to play with. Isn't this ridiculous? Ha ha ha. Yeah. Like it's so hard to see. The sound quality is poor. It was, and for sure. you had to change batteries as frequently as, oh, I don't know, <laughs> very frequently. As frequently as you breathe. 
I think I might have had two batteries. I don't remember. So moving on. So obviously that was the next game, Super Mario Land, that, that Nintendo made. The next game that they made was for the uh, the new SNES. So the, break, the the game that came with the SNES was Super Mario World. And to me, I would say, depending on what day you ask me, this is probably my favorite Super Mario game. I think it brings just as much creativity and fun in, uh, as Super Mario Bros. 3. It builds on all those elements. It incorporates even more from Super Mario Bros. 2, but it also is in a completely new setting in the dinosaur world. The Dinosaur Kingdom, I don't remember exactly what they called it. And, and you got Yoshi and all these fun elements. You got the cape and new ways to fly instead of, you know, the tail. And it was just such a fun game. Game. And, and I loved the the final battle with Koopa. It took me it took me several tries when I finally got to Koopa to actually be able to to beat him. And another thing with, with the SNES came a new ability, Joe. First time that and at least in my gaming that I was able to save progress, which was huge. Oh, and, and, right. and so that made that meant that they could make Super Mario World even more expansive. Like I think it's more expansive even than Super Mario Bros. 3. And Super Mario Bros. 3 was frustrating because you couldn't save the progress and it was pretty expansive. And and I remember I would leave the NES on overnight and hope it like didn't have a meltdown or block up or something, which it would sometimes do. You get up in the morning and it was just like a, a an orange screen. I remember that very clearly. So it was saving progress with the SNES was a huge thing, and it it was um it, I, I, it was built into the cartridge, so you could put your cartridge in your game in your box and play it and then you could take it to a friend's and the game save was on the cartridge so your your slots would be saved on the cartridge two other things that i loved about that version was that it was really charming mario brothers 3 was but some things are a little bit odd like they hadn't quite made it uh you know just fun loving Fun and fancy free is kind of the spirit hmm. I think that they were trying to go for, but they, you know, like some of Bowser's kids just looked kind of gruesome, <laughs> a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, and then there were there were moments when it wasn't so charming. Like you get to the eighth world and you're trying to travel over the lava part on the map, and the hand is always grabbing you. Right. And there yeah, was I mentioned that. Levels with bomb bombs and cannons that felt so indifferent. To li- indifferent to life that they're just going to knock you out left and right all, all day long. They don't care. <laughs> but when you got to Mario Brothers, Super Mario World, you, there was so much more fluid fun uh, to the so, spirit so how much of, of that, that game. How much of that is the technology of the SNES and it being a 16-bit console versus an 8-bit? Like, Because some of it, I think, is the character design limitations of mm-hmm. the original Mario, of the original NES that, that you know, they were trying to do the best they could with the sprites, but it was just so, like, 8-bit and, and jagged and edgy. And and there's a certain flow in in Super Mario World that is, that is the first good. time we've seen that game, uh, yeah. seen that in the Mario World. And yeah, it, it, you're you're absolutely right. Though there's just such a sense of fun in in Super Mario World and the handling of the of just handling in the controller, like the smoothness of how Mario could glide around on foot when he would run, yes. and you do a quick stop, turn around, jump the other direction. You could make real snappy judgments and make maneuvers like you, you never could before. I think the most frustrating thing in Super Mario World might be uh, sucking in the helium balloons and getting Mario to float because he yes, was really slow. Yes, that was very frustrating. And it just drags across the screen, and then you know yep. he's about to run out of helium, and then you fall into a hole. Yeah. So. No, I didn't I never liked the helium balloons. That was the one thing I didn't like about Super Mario World. But but yeah, it's it's such a fun game and you can tell like that there's such a love for the game and for Mario and at this point like it's such a, a such a phenomenon and they put such love into it and it's just such a 
yeah, such a carefree like game with a lot of spirit and a lot of fun. Somebody was saying recently on Twitter when I was talking about the various Marios, and they said they thought Super Mario 3 was the, the better, more whimsical game, and I, I just disagree with that so much. I think Super Mario World is the more, better, more whimsical game. That leads us to, Joe, uh, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. This was the game that came with my Game Boy, and I played this so much, and I have a special place in my heart for this game. This is by far and away the far better version of Super Mario Land. It introduced to us a character called Wario, um, and he was the big bad, and you had these, you couldn't fly in this game, but you had these rabbit ears that would let you float. That was the first time we saw the rabbit ears, which uh, made a, a comeback in Super Mario 64, I believe, although I have not played that far into Super Mario 64. But um, this was a game, again, this had a map, so it was inspired by uh, Super Mario Bros. 3 and Super Mario, Bro- uh, Super Mario World, and it had the the gaming map where you would go to different places, and you had to go to each of the of the of the six worlds and collect all six golden coins, which would then open the castle so that you could get in and get your ca- Mario's castle back and, and kick Wario out. And it was a lot of fun. And the castle, like it, it, the, the, this game, had such a sense of especially the castle because it's so vivid in my mind. You had such a sense of where you were at, and and you were climbing the castle the whole time, and you're coming up the turrets and. And eat for for a, for such a little like you know black and white uh, pixel bit like screen and gaming device like it had such a sense of place it was so well done. I I got the same game and I, I couldn't be happier to hear that you had it. It was a classic and it's so easy to overlook. It's like one of the most um, unsung heroes of the Mario franchise from the old days. And I remember loving that we back in those days, we also got the Super, I think it was called Nintendo Power Magazine. I don't remember if it was Super or not, but it was Nintendo and Power. I remember that. Yeah, I've heard of the magazine. I never got it. While reading the magazine, when games like Super Mario Land was coming out, they would have a comic that would introduce new characters and scenarios to Mario games. So in a few different issues, you could get the full story on what was Mario and Wario's relationship? And they were hilarious. So they would introduce that Mario and Wario were kids that went through school together. And Wario always felt like Mario got everything he wanted and he had all the bad luck. And he just wanted the same treatment and the same luck that Mario got. And because he never got it, well, when they grew up, Wario (laughs) was way jealous and envious of mario so he just wanted to outdo him and but along the way the story was hysterical and the comic book was so well written and then there was the gameplay walkthroughs that they had printed in nintendo power magazine it would show you screenshots uh in a row after row after row of entire levels and then you could see all the hidden locations and where to fly when and wh- uh, which holes you could fall down into that would show you a secret, things like that. And uh, it was a f- great way to play the game and get those uh, sort of like power guides through the levels. Yeah, and, and one of the things I loved about the game too was um, when you got to Wario, and at first he's just a, you know, it's nice that he is not a Koopa. He's actually just sort of like a bigger Mario. But then the fight, so I, I can't remember how many times you have to, you have to um, hit him or bounce on him. I can't remember the exact mechanic there. But then there's like three um, times that you have to go through this. So I think you hit him three times. He goes away and he comes back and he's all mad. And then he goes away and he comes back. 
and he gets a power up the same way as Mario does. He gets the rabbit ears, and so he starts floating around, and it's that's a lot of fun too. And and I love how this incorporates. So it, it plays much more like a Mario game than the first Super Mario Land, but it still incorporates elements like the bugs and things from the original Super Mario Land, like on Game Boy. It it, it definitely melds the two worlds together, and it, but it brings them more into harmony. I think a lot of fun. A surprising improvement, too, for the original Game Boy, that the graphics felt closer to 16-bit graphics than the, like, 4-bit graphics of Super Mario I think Mario your memory Land. may be enhancing that, Joe, because it was still the Game Boy. Yeah, <laughs> it was still that, like, pixel-bit screen. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. It was like the 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 black, you could see the black squares. That, that <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't in color. No, I, I know it wasn't in color. And later on, when the Game Boy Color came around, they colorized the game. And... Just sure. adding color makes it look a way more like mm, Super Mario World than Super Mario Brothers, you know, the original or Super Mario Brothers Two, and uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it was a place where they were definitely optimizing on the original Game Boy so that the graphics were much better than you could expect. Just comparison to the first Super Mario Land, where it was subpar, really, the first Mario Brothers on the NES. It, it was, yeah. So um, the one the one thing I'll say about the Game Boy real quick, and then we'll move on. I never understood the way that the B and the A buttons were tilted up, so it felt like you had to like tilt your hand up a little bit. It was very bad for ergonomics. <laughs> I never understood that. Yeah, um, I remember my hand getting pretty sore. Yeah. All right, so that's the Game Boy era and and the SNES era. F- the final thing, just just a quick mention of the SNES era. They remastered and brought into modern graphics, but same gameplay mechanics and the same like engines of the Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Two, and Super Mario Brothers Three. And they added uh, what they call now the Lost Levels, which was Super Mario Two in Japan. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that game. I have bought it in every iteration that's been available. I bought it. I bought the disc for the Wii. And oh, now wow. that we no longer have a Wii, uh, and our Wii U, our, our, we still have a Wii U, but the it's useless now because recently the disc player stopped working, the optical drive stopped working. <laughs> so it's just, oh. it's just useless now. So, but then obviously they just recently announced, um, and they recently came out with uh, Super Mario All-Stars for uh, Switch, and we immediately downloaded that. So got it again. Love Super Mario All-Stars. It's a great way to play the classic games with updated graphics. Really great. Yeah, anyone who is interested in those old games, but you're not interested in the old graphics then go that way and a bonus is that you can basically rewind in the nintendo switch version and that is great for the younger kids that are having a harder time with those older graphics and those older games and and just, you know it, it, there are ways in which it's just difficult to get mario to move around in the older games uh-huh. and i am very grateful that they added the rewind well specifically it's always um the original mario i think is the worst gameplay mechanics like he's just not as responsive after that i felt like he became much more responsive in in super mario 2 and and 3 but the original and the mechanics are the same in the super mario all-stars he's just difficult like in the air when you try to turn him he doesn't turn really in the air like he does in other games so it's a very different mechanics but uh, super mario all-stars i really love it and it's 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 brought nintendo a lot of juice so um yeah um 
that's uh, that's the SNES era and the Game Boy era. So so we come to and this is where I sort of dropped out, Joe. I've only played Super Mario sixty four a handful of times, and recently since we got Super Mario sixty four for the Switch, I've been playing it again. Uh, so I have some observations, but like I think you should go first because you probably played it a lot more than I did back in this time. So this is the Nintendo sixty four Super Mario sixty four. It's me, Mario! Yeah, so I was on the bandwagon. I was absorbing all the hype for Mario 64. I never even realized that it may or may not have had Super in the name. Is it actually Super? But they deserved to be called Super. It was just that good. I loved that for the Nintendo 64, they capitalized on 64 being included with all the titles of all the games. That sounded really cool. And I was really disappointed to find out that Yoshi was nowhere in sight. Luigi, no two-player mode. But they made up for it in Aces, just with all of the the 3D world aspects, the world building that you got to go through the castle for all the levels. It had a, a magical mystique of mystery. While Mario is hearing ha 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 from Bowser, you know, depending on what door he opened. Great new sounds, uh, great dialogue. That was something that they really didn't do very often was Mario comes to a new boss of a level and he's got a story and it's funny. And then you beat the boss, you you notice that, oh, what's that floating island out there? Uh, There's no way to get to it now. Huh, weird. So you go ahead and beat the boss, you get the star, you leave the room, and then, you know, your 10-year-old self never even realizes you need to go back and finish the room. But you go back one day because you're just bored and you want to do that boss again and realize, wait a minute, there's other stars to get here. And now I know how to get over to that floating island. Ah, there was some really good ideas. Then you had things like Mario's meter of health. He could go underwater and lose oxygen and had to get some more air. Then you had all the new jumps, all the new ways his body could move. He could punch and kick and do the triple jump and the somersault and the backflip and the wall jump. And those were so important for various tricks. And in a way, even newer games like Mario Odyssey is reminding me of all those jumps and those mechanics that they introduced in this one. I mean, we'll get there, but I would say Mario Odyssey is a direct sequel to Mario 64. The and, first yeah, direct in a sequel. lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my experience with 64 is I only played it once or twice uh, before we sort of, my parents went through a phase where we got rid of most of our electronic stuff. And so um, I didn't really play it back in the era when it was out. So I'm just now being becoming reacquainted with it. And I've been spending some time playing it, especially in preparation for this episode of the podcast. And my observations are, and I know, like, especially researching the history and stuff, and even at the time I knew it was a game changer in terms of, like, what it did for the gaming, for 3D gaming and all this stuff. My observations are, it's a little long in the tooth. Um, Mario can be very difficult to control at times. The camera is very difficult. Like, you cannot just put the camera anywhere you want with the with the right-hand joystick. It's, it's a little frustrating because you're like, I need to – like, there's no reason why you can't circle around and see what we're doing because it would if I approached it from a different direction. Like, it's just, it, that, that part's <laughs> frustrating. Um, uh, and it's also very clear that 
vector graphics weren't really a thing in this game because some of the like some of the textures and backgrounds are just weird looking and they're not vector at all and they're pixelated and stuff so that stuff is kind of weird but there's something also a little bit charming about it knowing that it was like the first and like they're probably dealing with severe limitations Mm -hmm. um so in in that way i suppose it's a lot like the charmingness of there's something not to me not as charming about the original mario graphics but there's probably something and very nostalgic to people as well and, yeah, they pushed it to the limit. For sure. And so I'm I'm I, I think I'm in my second world now. I've gotten one star or I've gotten some I've gotten all the stars in one um picture and I've moved on to the next. Um and so it is definitely I'm having a lot of fun with it. There are certain things that are frustrating. Like Mario was always able to run up any surface he wanted, and in Mario sixty Super Mario sixty four, <laughs> if you run up something too steep, you'll fall back down, you'll slide down and yep. and you'll oof you know it's like um (laughs) excuse me did you get a little fat mario like what's going on here (laughs) um yeah so it's it's a lot of fun i'm 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 excited and hoping to get soon to the the uh, part where i can get the um the the hat wing things uh the rabbit ear things because that is um you know that's an element that was in super mario lands two six golden coins and i'm excited to get to that so still playing through very slowly because i'm an adult and i have a job (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) sure but it was a classic. I remember having a very vivid dream after going through the ghost house. And in my dream, it was a Ooh, is there a ghost house in 64? There is a ghost house. Nice. Okay, that yes. comes, of course, straight from Super Mario World. Uh, so that'll it be It does. Fun. Yeah, and, so... Um, Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, we need because we need to keep moving on. So um, I've also been spending time because I have the new uh, Super Mario 3D All Stars, and uh, so I've been spending some time in Super Mario Sunshine. This game, uh, to me, I I actually had not really paid any attention or don't really remember hearing of it before 3D All Stars came out. I guess I was just that disconnected from the Mario world for a while, and. Um, it is a lot of fun. It's a very different, like, you can tell this is still a very different era for Mario. Like, modern Mario is actually coming back to a lot of the older conventions, but this is still pushing into new territories for Mario. Like, this abandons all pretense, at least the parts that I've played so far, it abandons all pretense of mushrooms and power-ups and Mushroom Kingdom. This is straight up something very different. Have you played yeah. much Mario Sunshine? You know, I, I played it a little bit with my brother, and I'm not a huge fan. He was still young enough that he was in his prime of playing Mario Brothers games, and it just wasn't for me because I felt like the music was awfully repetitive in the town, like the resort town. Yeah, where Mario I don't goes. like the soundtrack. I don't like mm-hmm. the soundtrack, but I, I love the gameplay though. It is it is gameplay a lot of fun. is pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah, hands down. If there was a way to play the game, get the sound effects, and then put on some other music, maybe from Mario sixty four or a Galaxy game, then that combination would probably solve the biggest hang-up for Mario Sunshine. But it also has very bright, vivid, prime colors in uh, in, in excess, I feel. So sometimes it just, it's a grading to look at after a while, but that is a Interesting. minor I actually like I actually like that about the game, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cool. other thing that I think we should mention is that this is the only game I know of for the GameCube. I'm sure there are others, but like I think the GameCube was largely a flop. And um, that's unfortunate because this is a fun game. And, it, it, you know, I think it, I think I'm pretty sure the GameCube is considered a flop. Um, it was criticized for exterior design and lack of features. Yeah, I'm just reading up a little bit about it. Um, but it really may be the only thing that Nintendo, the only console that Nintendo's produced that's really been considered a flop, I think. But it's, 
it's it's definitely you don't hear much about the gamecube like you do the 64 or the snes or even the wii or the wii u um although some people consider the wii u a flop i think it was a very successful product so anyway that's that's super mario sunshine fun game but ultimately a little bit forgettable um and not not as i don't think it's their best effort but it's a lot of there's certain things about it that are a lot of fun so far so this brings us, I think, to the DS era. I've never had a DS, but I have uh, had a friend who develops. I have a friend who develops games, and he's lent me his oh, yeah? DS from time to time because huh. you know he's uh, he's doing other stuff. And so, like, I'll I'll play. I played New Super Mario Brothers on his DS. Um, I played as we'll get to Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS and New Super Mario Brothers 2 on the 3DS. So, um, so uh, New Super Mario Brothers is this is where Nintendo starts coming back to their roots, and they're like, let's. What if we made a game that was completely modern graphics, but was a 2D platformer and in the style and feel and and general plot line of the original Mario games. Wouldn't that be fun? And that's what this is. And it's a lot of fun. I I, I applaud I applaud what they're doing here. I I think they're I, I think during the era of uh, Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine that 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 that, the, that sort of 2D platformer like that to me that's the roots of Mario and they weren't really doing it on those platforms. And so this is fun to return to, I think. I didn't realize that this came to the DS first because we got later Super Mario Brothers traditional games on the Wii and beyond. That's yes. great. Yeah, yeah. So it came to the DS first, and the DS is a fun little little handheld gaming platform. Um, I I've, I've often wished that I felt like I, I it was worth me spending money on. Ultimately, I, I don't because I'm a cheapskate. But um, it, it's like, eh. and there are other ways for me. To, and now that we have the Switch, it's kind of a moot point. But yeah, this was the first. Uh, and then so moving on to the Wii, um, you have Super Mario Galaxy. My son is really into the Galaxy franchise. I can't stand this game. Joe, this is really the, the the Mario the Galaxy franchise. There's something about, and what it is is you're on these tiny little planets, and you walk upside down, and then your controls are all backwards. And there's just something about the mechanics I find very difficult as an as a thirty something year old, almost forty year old guy to to <laughs> learn new tricks and to learn the controls. Watching my son play these games almost makes me a little bit nauseous, nauseated, to be honest. He 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 whips around there, and he loves he loves Mario Galaxy the franchise i completely so, agree it does the same thing to me but i i tried playing it years ago and it still bothered me in my 20s but yeah i can get over it because you know it does look like a game worth playing like you were saying for the ds that if you weren't a cheapskate you would buy that and you'd play that if i could just convince myself to give at the time i would play through both of the galaxy games because they have that beautiful graphics they have it just they've kind of reached the point where the graphics were smooth enough and not so blocky that it's much easier on the eyes in that regard. And the music soundtrack was much better than Sunshine. So the only yes. thing that kind of gets in its own, own way are the mechanical camera views where it is confusing. Where am I? Which direction is Mario facing? I'm not sure. Oh, no, I didn't mean to go that direction. <laughs> it, it is so, tr- so- confusing. Yeah, so Galaxy was the first Mario game that had a really cinematic soundtrack. It was it's very cinematic. Like I can hear it in my head now. You know, it's it's this very like orchestral cinematic. Like cuz this this is on the Wii and they've got this whole big, you know, DVD with lots and lots of of room on that thing to put stuff like cinematic orchestral scores and so they did. So that part is definitely fun. 
Um, it's not my favorite. I think because I don't like the game so much, I don't like the soundtrack that much. It brings back poor memories, but but it's a lot of fun, and my son really enjoys it. But then the other thing that launched, I, th- I think it might have launched with the Wii, but if not, it was very close. So you had New Super Mario Brothers for the DS. You have New Super Mario Brothers Wii, which is a different game. It has different levels, and, and but but it's the same concept. But they did add some power ups, like the um, I don't know what you call it, but the little spinny hat, you know, thing. I love this game. I currently don't have a way to play it because we don't have a Wii and it's not anywhere else. Um, but this is a fun game, uh, and it and it introduced a new way to do multiplayer, which I despise. <laughs> so I don't play <laughs> like it's just way too chaotic for me. I can't keep up with it. So I prefer to play it by myself. But my kids loved to play, and I would sometimes play with them because Daddy, won't you play multiplayer with us? You know. So I would sometimes play with them, but it's to me, it's ultimately too chaotic. But it is fun, and, and people do enjoy it. This whole four people on the screen at once thing. Um, it's a fun game. I think it's really tough in the Super Mario Brothers Wii version. It, it, that side scroller, it's actually, I think it feels tougher to get through the game in multiplayer as oh, a side scrolling sure. Mario Brothers game than the next title they came in with was Super Mario 3D. Well, well I guess it was it 3D Land came before. Oh, well, well, okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So you've got New Super Mario Brothers Wii, and they reintroduced Yoshi. And your your you, so I remember in Super Mario World for the SNES, the Goombas took on a new appearance. Well, here they're back to their old appearance, but with a more 3D look. Um, it, it's definitely a let's let's get Mario back to his roots, but with really nice looking updated graphics and even the sounds. So like in SNES era, you've got a whole new slew of sounds that were reminiscent of the old sounds, but had a much like a more like frothy, frou-frou-y quality. Right. And this is you, you, you compare the sounds. They're definitely much closer to the original, like the going down the pipe and the, and the power up of the mushroom that they sound much closer to the original Mario. So this is definitely a more let's get back to the roots of Mario, which is the the 2D platformer. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to me. I've enjoyed. I, this was this was my reintroduction to into when we got because the Wii was the first console I had, and as an because you know I got it as an adult, obviously, and it was the first console I had in many many years, and it was a lot of fun. So Super Mario Galaxy Two, not much to say about that. More the same. Do you have anything to say about that? You know, I just wasn't playing all that many video games in my 20s. I would Mm. see my children playing them with their uncle, and they seemed to enjoy them a whole lot. He liked them a lot. And what else can I say? If I get around to it someday, if one of my kids wants to go back and play Galaxy 2, I'll probably play it with him. And I feel like I did miss a good era then. But uh, nowadays... My uh, kids are interested in playing the Mario Brothers games, but not as much as things like first-person shooters like Fortnite, and they want to check out Rocket League. And I was a much bigger Mario fan than my kids are uh, at any stage in their life. So um, I'm trying, but actually, I'm getting a little bit more back into it because my wife is enjoying it for the first time in her life. So mm. she's enjoying just whatever the kids play or I'm playing and checking it out and trying it herself and seeing what works and why it works that way. We play Mario Kart together. Uh, we're playing Mario Party together that way. So yeah, she, because of her consequentially, I'm paying a little bit more attention to Mario. Yeah. So moving on, you have the introduction of the 3DS and Super Mario 3D Land. Um, and so, again, my friend who's a game developer has a 3DS, and I have borrowed it, and I've played Super Mario 3D Land. I find that it's a lot of fun because you've got this – you don't need glasses or anything. It's all – it just expands into the 3D space, and you can control depth with a slider if it's bothering you. Um, 
and and it did resolve some issues I've had with Mario in 3D, which is I often had a hard time telling exactly where he was in 3D space and where he would land and that sort of thing. And this definitely helped with that, but I found that the 3D technology gave me a headache. I think they fixed it in more, like I think there was an update to the 3DS, I don't remember what it was called, that, that may be better. But anyway, I, I really enjoy Super Mario 3D Land. A lot of fun. Brought back the um, the, the leaf with the tail, the, the raccoon tail, um, and which made a lot of sense in the 3D space that they were in. There's a lot of fun game mechanics. Like you you hop uh, on, every time you jump, a, a platform will switch sides, right? And so you have to time it right. And you know when you jump, you're jumping onto what's, what's currently, when you're jumping, um, air that you would fall through, but the platform switches. And so you're now you're on the platform and then you jump to the other side and it'll, it'll come up to get you like there's lots of fun mechanics in this game um and so i really enjoyed it have you played it yes and uh, i just i'm blown away with that kind of game the 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 soundtrack got better the themes got better it got even more charming the um the one thing that is different between the 3D games versus the 2D games. I was actually afraid at that time in the Nintendo era that maybe the side-scrollers were going the way of the Dodo because you could do all these awesome things with 3D games. Why would you go back to a side-scroller? Yeah, Nintendo's got you. Yeah. <laughs> and the the side-scroller was really fun. The only thing about the the Super Mario Brothers in Super Mario Brothers 2 in the Wii era and the Wii U era, uh, I, I feel like the the... The controls aren't as pleasant as they were on Super Mario World for the SNES because hmm. they're a little bit resistant. Like they don't want to move as quickly and respond as quickly as they did in Super Mario World. But besides that, like I love the graphics. I love they continue to put new spin on things. They introduce penguins. They have yet a yes. new use for Yoshi. They uh, they let you have uh, toads that. Well, it is true. I'm not forgetting Luigi does jump higher, right? And the toads are faster than Mario. But that like certainly that's in great. 3D in the in 3D Land, yes. I mm-hmm. don't remember for the other games, but but specifically as regards 3D Land, I think one of the interesting elements is it's like. Um, it is not really a direct sequel to any of the Mario 3Ds. It's it's more like what if we took the same world that Mario is in in these in these 2D platformers and extrude everything and make him in 3D space. And that to me is a it's a great concept. It's a lot of fun. It, it's not it, you know you have Super Mario Odyssey, which is more of the sequel to Super Mario 64. This is more of a sequel to a, a, an evolution of Mario 2D, but brought to 3D. And so that's a lot of fun to me. Um, yeah, it, it, it essentially this let's extrude, extrude everything in the 3D space. It's 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 really fun. Yeah, it was a great idea. So while we're in the 3DS era, you've got new Super Mario Brothers two, um, and that that is one of the most lazy things that Nintendo's ever done. They're like, what if we just put a bunch of coins everywhere <laughs> for new Super Mario Brothers and put it on the 3DS and and put it in 3D space? So I don't have much to say about that. I've only played it once or twice. I didn't care. Um, this brings me to uh, we bought our Wii U and it came with new Super Mario Brothers U and this is my favorite current crop of 2D platformers um, in in you know and and in, in, in honestly I would say it's as good in its way as the Super Mario World was for the SNES. I still obviously <laughs> Super Mario World for SNES. That's the word the love of my heart is, you know, or whatever you want to call it. But but New Super Mario Brothers U is a fantastic game. I love to play it. It is it is the one of the best modern 2D platformers available. 
I can't disagree. The only thing is, is like I said, the handling. I feel like it's resisting you a little bit, but you get used to it. And it feels like it harkens back to the original NES, which is not a bad thing. It's just different. And because of that, it's not in my top two or three, but it's, it is really good. And when you can play with others together and you can coordinate, I feel the same way, you know, side tangent here. I feel the same way about the Donkey Kong Country games. Donkey mm. Kong Country was more fun when it was, uh, person by person turn base where maybe one gorilla is playing until he gets knocked out and then he's gone. And then now it's up to the monkey to take over. And that's your, your friend who's playing as the monkey. Yeah. So that's Donkey Kong country for the Wii. Yeah. I love that game. Yeah. I, I just don't like it when both monkeys are trying to run around at the same time and mm. competing for who has control uh, over the camera on the yeah, screen. Yeah. 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 So, yep. Yeah, so uh, then you come, still in the Wii U era, there was a lot of great, people poo-poo the Wii U, there was a lot of great games for the Wii U. So you've got Super Mario 3D World, um, which sounds a lot like Super Mario 3D Land, and it's the same concept, right? Let's let's take Mario as a 2D platformer and extrude all the elements and make it in 3D space, but it's a very different, um, very different plot, very different elements. This is a really fun game. So that what's really fun about this game is they're bringing it to the Switch. Um, and I it's on it's on order. It's coming uh, when does it say? It's going to be delivered on released and delivered on February 12th. So I've already ordered it on Amazon and it will come into my house on February 12th. And this is my this is one of my favorite I, I originally was, Joe, a, I don't like the 3D Mario stuff, right? I was originally like, eh, it's hard to control and stuff, but, but this <laughs> game, the, I would say Super Mario 3D Land, and then especially because I, I had Rose a Wii U you? and I played this game a lot. Super Mario 3D World was, it really turned me around. And it's so much fun. Like you got Bowser popping out of pipes and he's holding the, the, the fairies in the jar and he's like, ha, 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 you know, like just, just a lot of whimsical fun elements. <laughs> and, and in the pipes, you know, you do have some pipes that are more like old style pipes. They take you who knows where, but then you've got all these clear pipes and you can watch Mario flow through them and you can use them as part of your gameplay to get to different parts of the stage. And it's just so much fun. I couldn't say anything better about this game. I got it for the Wii U. I loved it there, and I loved playing it with the kids and older players. Sometimes in the Mario games, it's easier to get by with the older, experienced players, but that was one time when it was also fun to play with the youngsters, and it just has a lot of charm to it. And things like Bowser having a, a slick, glossy car, and he's fighting you on the car. Yeah, yes. Great notion. Yes. And, and it introduced new elements like the way you overcome this is he's firing like these these um bomb balls at you and you have to kick them back up to him like stuff that and i and i remember having mm-hmm. to figure this out like okay it, it was definitely it brought me back to these are new gameplay elements and the way you're figuring this out back when mario was new and you're trying to figure out oh what do you do oh you stomp on enemies okay oh you hit this and a power up comes out like that felt like that it's like oh what am i supposed to do he's throwing these balls at me and i can't get up to him what am i supposed to do oh if you kick it just right it'll hit him got it like it was a lot of fun to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to note um, that Super Mario Maker is also in the Wii U era. I never had Super Mario Maker for Wii U. I will talk about it when we get to Super Mario Maker 2 for the Switch, unless you want to say something about it here. No, it was a great okay. game. We well, can talk about we'll, it. we'll talk about that because I don't completely agree. Um, all right. So Super Mario Run <laughs> uh, in between the Wii U and the Switch era, Super Mario Run comes out for iOS and then a few months later for Android. 
what what do you make of this? I, I, I would put this in the same family. It was so when I basically I'm listing out all the games from the Wikipedia article, and it was listed in this family of games, and it definitely feels like it's in the 2D platformer. Uh-huh. How do you feel about that? I think it's spot on. And one thing that was creative about it was how it adapted to the limitations of yes. smartphones. You know, you got tap and that's basically all you can do. You can tap twice. You can tap three times. You can tap and hold. Uh, what else can you do? Well, you, <laughs> you know, so the game figured out how to still make it delightful with so many limitations and I, I thought it was interesting that they gave you so much for free and that experience that you know it, it's really meant for all ages and it did, it did a good job of that of bridging the gap for people who would want to play intermittently just for a couple of minutes while they had a short break and and then you had all these objectives you could go for if you wanted to go deep so they have new ideas with a vertical layout and you know reversing course by uh, kicking off of walls and trying to go back a little yes. ways so that yes. you could reach red coins and stuff that would be otherwise obscured and difficult to reach or impossible. So it had a lot of charm. And I, I, w- I really hope that they introduce future Super Mario runs. Yeah, and I think there's ways they can expand upon what they've done. Unfortunately, I don't think that it did. They I don't think they feel like it was a success, unfortunately. But I think you're you're right. Like I think there's ways they could expand these concepts into even better and better games. And they really did adapt to uh the smartphone screen and environment well. And I used to play it all the time and for some reason it's fallen off. I just don't play it that much anymore. And part of that I think is initially it was just the gameplay, right? It was just the gameplay and you would advance your way through these levels and you could also compete against people. But they cluttered the game up a lot over time. I, they tried to add in all these objectives and these goals and like you can get swag and you can build your mushroom kingdom. And I'm just, I don't know. I, I know that's a popular thing for people. I just don't quite get it. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spend my coins to buy swag. Like I, I just don't get, I want to sit down and play the game. So, and that's still there. And, and so, and I, sometimes I will get the bug and I'll sit down and play it. Yeah. You don't have to yeah, do those But it's just, it's just odd. They're around for yeah. the people who do. A lot of, a lot of fun. Definitely enjoyed it. I was very happy when I switched to Android for a while that the game was available. And it, it, because I logged in with my Nintendo account, it was all as I had left it before. And so now I'm back on iOS and it's still there and everything's the same. So yeah, I, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. So this brings us to the Switch. Um, I got the Switch not long after it came out as a birthday present for, not a birthday present, as a Christmas present for my kids. Uh, for my kids. <laughs> um, but, but um, and primarily, I thought Super Mario Odyssey looked like a lot of fun. And let me tell you, Joe, boy, this, com- this competes for best <laughs> Mario game. Like, I don't think it is, but it really, 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 really is what? fun. It is you oh, come on why don't you think it's the best oh you think it's the best i don't i don't I'm not gonna argue with you i'm just saying i still think super mario world is the best it's but it's very different like it's hard mm. to it's almost apples and oranges so it's a little hard to compare but super mario odyssey mm-hmm. yeah like just the whole idea of the, the cappy and the, the just certain elements and the way they turn certain things on their head things you were expecting like when you when you would get yes. you know, 
gonna spoil I'm gonna spoil Super Mario Odyssey it's a few years old now I think that's okay but like when you get there and you think you've rescued Peach but no you still have a ways to go and you know Peach at the end is irritated with both you and Bowser like like all these little things just turn things (laughs) on their head and you've got the whole moon stuff like you know you you uh you even after you've defeated the game there's still objectives to do and they're still fun you can go exploring other parts of the world and you can go to the moon and you can teleport and take the Odyssey to different places like this game they've outdone themselves joe they really really have and the only reason i wouldn't call it the best is not because it's not a great game it's because they are competing against themselves and their own like stupid their own amazing (laughs) stuff that they've done it is really really good joe yeah one of the things that is brilliant about the game is that like you said they have so many plot twists like the cap coming to life rather than just introducing another ability And then you have things like worlds and the way those worlds function, like what is it called? New Donk City? Yes. I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about because like Mario is supposed to be a real person, but when he goes to the real world, he looks like this short little weirdo, like, and everybody like, I don't, I still don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but yeah, New, New yeah, they they should have made all the other humans look more like Mario and New Donk, or made or made them the same height. I don't know. That's a little weird. But New Donk City is a lot of fun. Otherwise, tons of fun with like the the Asian culture mystique in the Bowser yes. world, Bowser mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Then, but but one of the great things was that unlike so many of the side scrollers and Super Mario 3D World. Those a lot of those had virtually the same objective. Bowser's caught the princess, go save the princess, kick Bowser out of town. And this time, while you you still have that premise, there's so many twists that shake it up that it didn't feel like they were being too repetitive. No, it that did not feel said, like a rehab. I mean, mm-hmm. it felt like it was almost like they were paying homage. Like, oh look, Bowser's got Princess Peach again. <laughs> but but you know what? It's a really fun journey on the way, so you're going to have fun with it. That's yeah. what it felt like to me. It was a blast, and it's up for grabs whether or not it's the best. But hands down, if you believe it's the best, uh, we can't ar- argue with you. It is really well done, probably the most well done that they have made. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of variety with these. It's starting to feel like a lot of these games are standing the test of time and coming back around. That if your favorite is an old one, it's considered a classic now. So it's the it's sort of like playing whatever your favorite version of monopoly is do you like the classic monopoly with the older pieces the older looking board or do you like one of the custom sets as a a special edition for baseball you know maybe you like that version of monopoly more and you maybe you like this newer modern version of even the classic monopoly because you like the new pieces like the cat which you couldn't get in the original. So so it just it's to each his own and Super Mario Odyssey is so distinct that I think we're going to be treating it like an instant classic. It's just going to be around for a long time. Oh, that I, that was the word that was coming to my mind is this was this was a classic the instant it came out. Like it is they have really like the creativity, the amount of fun this game is. I I really love how in some places you go into the pipe and then you are in 2D like 8-bit world. Like it's so much fun. And, and the, the music changes. It's the same soundtrack, the same melody, and the same like. But it's in it's an eight bit soundtrack, and it's just so like so creative and so fun. And the way you take over certain elements, and the way they all interact together, oh, it's so much fun. 
And I, I, I'll tell you, Joe, when we first got it, I, um, I neglected like. <laughs> Normally, I have things I'm doing in the evening, and I can only play Mario for like 30 minutes at a time right before I go to bed or something like that. No, I sat down like as soon as my day job work was over, I would sit down for hours until I beat this game. Like it was just so like so good. It was so good. And and I, every once in a while, I'll still take a a couple of three days and and be like, I'm gonna play Odyssey for a while. Like yeah, it is certainly it is worth skipping your TV time to play a little bit of this this game all the way through. Yeah, for sure. So, so that is still like the premier game on the Switch. Um, lots of other stuff coming to the Switch now, but it is definitely the, the and, and oh, we should talk about the whole concept of the Switch, which is what I've wanted. The Switch is what I've wanted from uh, a Nintendo console forever, which is it's, it is a, de- it is a, as far as I can tell, fully powered, fully featured like desktop console, uh, set top console that, that has all that power. But it has a screen on it, and it's itty bitty, and you take it, like the kids take it on trips and stuff, Joe. And it's it's amazing, and it's the same platform whether it's connected to your TV or it's like I always wanted that. I was always frustrated that that the the Game Boy was such a small, limited, like itty bitty baby platform, and 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 you had to yeah. if you wanted to play real games, you had to be at home in front of your big CRT uh, screen, you know. And and this is this is really the dream of. Um, this is the console that is everything that is the, it is the mobile console. It is the platform. It is the desktop console. Like, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. Loving it so much. It has been so clever and creative. It's good for young and old. I, I, there's nothing to complain about really, except maybe a few of the parts that seem like they're a little fragile. They wear pretty easily, but not the end of the world. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I wanted to get into that. So as much as I love the concept of the Switch, the Switch itself seems really solid. The kids have dinged it around a little bit, and it's totally fine. What is really frustrating, really, really frustrating, is the Joy-Cons. Those things, I, I so I thought the kids were just being hard on the Joy-Cons, and so I got my own little Joy-Cons that I sort of kept in my office, and then when I wanted to play, I'd bring them out. But even they started having trouble. What they get is they think that you are you're moving left or right or something. Like the 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 joystick gets into this mode where it's stuck moving. And so you have this drift. And so you'll be mm-hmm. drifting. Like, oh, yeah. and it's it's really frustrating. The Joy-Cons, yeah, I'm really frustrated with the Joy-Cons. So I'm on my second set and they're doing it huh. too. And it's it's just it's not good, Joe. Well, so as you, much as I enjoy the switch, that's sort your of games. My, my no, controllers haven't done that to me yet. Oh, oh. But that's the thing. I was taking really good care of my Joy-Cons, and they started doing it too. So at that point, I just like, you know what, whatever, and I just let them all go into the Joy-Con bin. The, um, <laughs> what, so what I'm mostly playing the Switch with right now, my son has a Pro Controller, um, and so and those seem to be more solid, and so I'm playing mostly with the Pro Controller. Nice. Yeah, I've been taking to the Pro Controller as often as I feel like it because it, it 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 fills up the hands way better. I preferred the Nintendo Wii U controller, Pro Controller, but yes, it's still I did a like close second place. Yeah. All right, real quick, uh, I know we're we're way over our normal time here. Um, so you uh, Super Mario Maker two, uh, and then you want to talk about one more thing. But so Super Mario Maker two, I think this will encompass mostly our Super Mario Maker talk. And so this is this came out for the Switch. I was excited about it. I've always been. I didn't have it for the Wii U, and so I thought, oh, this will be fun. I'll get to do this. And it's not that I'm I, disappointed is the wrong word. I'm it's because I'm not disappointed. I think it's a great thing, and I think a lot of people love it. I just found that I don't like 
I don't want to take the time to create levels. I don't like creating levels. I just didn't like it. <laughs> well, what I think it would be like is if you were still buying and building Lego sets for yourself. And that and is not. that is a totally fine <laughs> hobby that a lot of adults have. And yeah. it's also really fun to do those with your kids if you so choose. Then again, though, you know, I'm not building Lego sets anymore and not buying them. And I just don't want to take the time for constructing them because that would be about the only purpose they serve. Buy the Millennium Falcon, build it, then let it sit and collect dust. And that's sort of how it feels with Super Mario Maker. If that you're, if you're the one constructing the levels, you're going to be so exhausted with all the creative juices that had to flow to create the thing that then you don't... Know, you you know that level inside and out. You're not going to play your own level and really get anything out of it. You want someone else to play your level. And if you only have a few family members, it, it's sort of like the experience that anybody has making dinner. They can go into the kitchen and spend two hours making dinner and then your family comes in for dinner and eats and it's all gone in 20 minutes. It's a little bit frustrating that all that work went into a meal that was consumed in 20 minutes instead of the, you know, the two hours of fulfillment that it took to make <laughs> the thing. And, and that's what happens with Super Mario Maker. You spend three hours making a level and then your son plays it for three minutes. And then it's like, well, that was great, dad. Thanks. And yeah. then he goes outside to play ball again. So yeah. it, it's up to the people who really want to do that and do it a lot and just get into it. And there's some of those people. And I think it's a lot like playing Legos. If you really get into the creative aspect, want to build your whole worlds, then it's a great place. It's also super if you get into sort of the competitive game, uh, level building and you want to share those with other players that are really serious about the play, the games worldwide. And so it's really fun that as a worldwide gaming community sort of thing, there are the players that make the levels and then there are the the pro gamers that play the pro crafted levels. So there's the people who just like to play the levels and the guys that primarily enjoy making the levels. And it's, so it's totally different. It's yeah, you got a very different experience from other Mario games. And I don't think they could really change that. So it is a beast (laughs) unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, there's definitely, I've seen some really crazy levels people have created and it is definitely fun to look up these crazy levels and to see people like creating these cool things. Like I don't, I don't begrudge the game at all. I just found that it was just not for me, but my kids mm-hmm. enjoy it. They don't play it as much as like my kids have really been into like super smash brothers lately. I can't stand super smash brothers, but, but anyway, they've really been into it and they enjoy it. So um, that's what they've been into. And, and my son was really an odyssey for a while too. The same, the same son who was into galaxy that, that scratched the same itch for him, even though for me, it's a odyssey is very different from galaxy, but, um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of our, our journey through the, the various super Mario titles on the, on the, like that's the reason Mario is the reason they make gaming platforms really, if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well now can I go ahead and mention then uh super Mario brothers 35. Please do. I have not had time to, to play this yet or look into it at all. All right. This is really clever. If you like free games and it's free, if you already have the online membership program on your Switch and you enjoy the old classic Mario games, but you don't have any reason to play them anymore because there's nothing new to do in them, then the objective is you're competitively playing the original Mario Brothers against 
34 other players simultaneously. Right, yeah, yeah. So as you are going through the level and you smash a Goomba or you kick a Koopa, they are sent to another player's game to make it the level harder for them and vice versa. Then you just keep playing and playing until you're the last man standing and then you win the competition. So I played it through last night and I finally beat it. It was a blast. And it, I got the guy the, for a few minutes there at the end of the game. It was me and just one other guy. And how I got him was he was playing the level with a flying fish and that was already pretty hard. But then I was playing another level where I was able to send a lot of Koopas and Goombas to him. And I, I think that tripped him up. So it was inevitable. And it's a great game. It, 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 there's nothing to it, really. It feels more like an arcade classic mm. than a stereotypical Mario Brothers game these days. But they've slightly enhanced the controls over the original Mario Brothers. So it feels more like Mario Brothers 3 handling than the uh, original okay. Brothers, I think. Yeah, and yeah. that helps a lot. And they also have this idea that every 20 coins you collect you get a specialty item block that can be randomly selected, sort of like specialty blocks in Mario Kart. So you get the block, you pound it, and then it gives you something uh, that would probably just help you on the spot, like getting a star power you would otherwise never be able to get in the level. So it pays off in the end. Good game. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, good job, Nintendo. We're really thankful for Mario and all the good games over the years. And I'm glad you did something special for the 35th year of Mario. Yeah, and I mean, based on what we've all the game because we've played every single one of these games, right? I mean, basically, we've just backed up a dump truck of money to Nintendo's door and, and <laughs> you, you and I collectively. And <laughs> oh my. Well, I think that's a show, Joe. And we didn't even, man, we did not even talk about Mario Kart. Which, which, who ever thought you would parlay this plumber into a kart racing game? But that they did, and it's a lot of fun. We might have to talk about that in a future episode, too. But I think that's a show. Um, yep. We've had a lot of fun talking about Mario. If people want to uh, to bring up more Mario stuff with you, Joe, where are they going to do that at? I'm at JCS Darnell on Twitter. All right, and I am TJ Draper Pro. Would love to uh, to hash out some more Mario stuff with you. You can tell us the ways in which you think that we're wrong or right about the games you loved and didn't love and and why our opinions suck or don't suck on mario <laughs> that, that, that would be a lot of fun so um be sure to uh check out the show notes if you uh, if you have a pod catcher a podcast app uh, those should show up right in your podcast app but if you're if you want to get to them on the web you can go to nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash four and the show notes will be right there uh that's it for us we hope to see you next week 